Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkinSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. Look, I hate to do the old, I remember when I was a kid, start to a story. I hated it when others did it to me when I was actually a kid, and I hate doing it now, but with that qualification out of the way, I'm about to do it. So forgive me. Thanks. I think we all have moments where we graduate from being solely sports participants and fans to having a more broad appreciation of the business of sports. The first time I started to realize the entanglements between sports and business was as a little league youngster. Yes, this is my hearkening backstory. No, it was not the sponsored names on the back of our jerseys from Valpac or Sylvester's Restaurant, the only two businesses in my town. Rather, the memory that vividly sticks out to me is the cheesy local ads created by the stars of my then favorite team, the Boston Red Sox. I remember vividly watching Wade Boggs before he became a trader and went to the Yankees, reading an advertisement for Hood Ice Cream. He's standing on the field, clearly reading from off-camera cue cards and telling everyone how they should eat more hood ice cream and if you came to an upcoming game, you'd get a free mini Red Sox baseball helmet sponsored by Hood. This was a light bulb moment for me and I wondered aloud how much extra ice cream was sold because Wade Boggs, the superstar, was telling kids like me to do so. I told my mom we had to buy Hood because Wade Boggs said so. Frankly, she didn't give a crap about Wade Boggs, so she bought the store brand at Country Fair Star Market in Stowe, Massachusetts. If you were wondering where I spent my early childhood days going to the grocery store with my mom. I found myself paying more and more attention to this connection, this association after that point. Dwight Evans endorsing local car dealerships, Jim Rice talking up Ocean Spray Juice Box Night. Brands have always sought out sports franchises to build their reputation, move more products, and grow awareness of their brand. These mutually beneficial partnerships between brands and sports have done nothing but grow since my halcyon days. The revenue, here's where we get into the numbers, the revenue of the North American sports sponsorship market was estimated at approximately $17 billion in 2018. It's expected to grow to over $20 billion by 2022. This figure in 2018 accounts for around 70% of the total sponsorship market. So that means, okay, put this in perspective, sports partnerships comprise the vast majority of the sponsorship market, far more than entertainment deals, causes, the arts, festivals, fairs, and annual events. So when you see Budweiser sponsoring some annual event, that pales in comparison to the amount Budweiser spends on sports sponsorships and partnerships. Sports stirs the drink for sponsorship deals across any industry. 70% of the total sponsorship market, that's crazy. Sponsorships today are activated in far more robust ways than the days I was referring to earlier. The advertisements have improved, but so have the in-stadium, the social media, the digital marketing methodologies. Everything has improved and changed and advanced. The only limit now is creativity. Now, notice, 
In the stats I referred to earlier, I said over $17 billion of revenue was from the North American sports sponsorship market. The growth market, the exciting place to be in sports right now, is the global market. In 2018, global sponsorship spending was $65 billion. And again, around 70% of that was spent in sports. So the total market for sports sponsorship across the globe was around $45 billion. Teams are investing in their global reach more than ever, and it's a perfect relationship. Here to talk about the growth of global sports sponsorships is my man, Jason Clerken, the Orlando Magic's Senior Manager of Global Partnership Activation. Here's Jason. Hey, Jason. What's happening, man? Hey, Brian. How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you. We've, you and I have been kind of dancing around this conversation for probably like six <laughs> months now, it feels like. like. We kept talking about having an interview, and then it was like we'd get distracted one way or the other, and you started kind of a new promotion. So it was just I'm, I'm glad that we finally were able to start off 2021 by having this conversation. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an odd year. It's been a busy year, but, but definitely one I've been looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you on. It is crazy how like, yes, it's been a crazy year and we'll talk about that, but it's been a busy year too. Like I feel like so many of us, a lot of people, and I'm not disparaging any of those people that have had a tough year and have maybe lost their job. I'm not saying that at all, but it does feel like, I mean, there's been so much extra load put on a lot of us to adapt and be creative and do more. So I don't know, I've been crazy busy and it sounds like you have been too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been a, a year, you know, unlike any other, especially for sports. And I know we're going to get into it. It's, it's kept us uh, very busy and it, it's felt like to me and, and some of my colleagues, maybe the longest NBA season of all time uh, with a very short break there between seasons. Oh my gosh, that is for sure. So, um, <laughs> Let's start a bit at your beginning and work our way up. You were an undergrad at UCF in sports business management. You got your undergrad degree there. Um, I'm pretty sure at that point you weren't saying to yourself, you know, like, I, I have this dream. I have this goal. I'm going to be a senior manager of global partnership activation for an NBA team. Um, but that's where you are. So how, take us back a bit. What was the plan for you originally? What was kind of your focus? And, and why did working in sports become the goal for you? Yeah, it, it's always, I've always been drawn to sports, right? I, I grew up playing sports, um, basketball, football, a lot of track um, all throughout, you know, being a youth. And it, it's always been a big part of my life. And it's always been something that, you know, I, my parents were, were great. They, I had those parents that, you know, went to AAU tournaments every weekend. And, and it was, it just consumed our family. And it was something that brought us all together. And, and I loved, you know, the, being able to play a team sport and even the individual sport. And, and it, with it being such a part of my life, it, it became a focus as I was looking for things to do uh, in college. I, I will be, you know, always very frank. And I had no idea and what I want, wanted to do when I started at UCF. I, I think I bounced around to, I want to say changing my major seven times. Oh my gosh, seven uh, times? Yeah, I was one of those. Uh, I, I had a general idea of what I wanted to do, but, you know, my, my dad was, was always big on, you know, do something you love and you never feel like you worked and, and as a, a day in your life. And as cliche as that sounds, like that was something that always stuck with me. I, I knew I didn't want to go to, you know, a, a nine to five that, that was working with numbers. Nothing against that to, yeah. to people that do that on an everyday basis, but uh, knew that wasn't for me. I needed something that was a changing environment, something that, you know, every day I went to the office was something new. 
Um, I just didn't know what it was. And I, I, like I said, I always had this fascination with sports and, and loved watching, playing, competing. Um, so after I, I bounced around, I think I did everything from, from pre-law to communications. And, and thankfully, I, I did it all during the prereq portion of school. Right. It didn't do okay. it once you got into the, into the actually specialized portion. So bounced around freshman, sophomore year. I think by junior year, I knew I wanted to do something in sports. But I think, you know, very much macro to micro, I had narrowed it down to, you know, I want to be in sports, but had no idea what that truly yeah. meant And since there's so many avenues there. Um, so with that being said, you know, started to do a lot of volunteering. So decided that the best way to figure out, you know, the different avenues of sports was to start helping out with the UCF athletics department and, and really just started with their operations staff, um, and doing some, you know, interning there, uh, working baseball games, track meets, you know, everything that I could sign up for, I was working. Um, and it allowed me to see, you know, the operation side, what goes into putting on a track meet from setting hurdles to blocks to, you know, how it's, it's timed out to helping with basketball, to helping with football. Um, and as I kind of navigated through that, I, I kind of started to, to trend more towards kind of two avenues. And it was more of the, the marketing side and the corporate partnership side. And, and that started to narrow it down. Um, so I decided to, you know, jump into that and, and start with uh, an internship with the UCS Sports Marketing Department, uh, getting a little bit of an understanding on how you get students out to games. And, and it's uh, grown substantially, obviously, with UCF. It's now the largest undergraduate school in the country. I think they're pushing like 65, 70,000 undergrads, which is yeah, crazy. it's amazing. Yeah, um, but I got to be there at a cool time. I, I was there uh, my freshman year or sophomore year. Sorry, uh, was the first year that they were building the on-campus football stadium and the on-campus basketball stadium. Oh, that's cool. So really got to see you know that rise uh, really from nothing and and started to uh, be the really I, I think. Uh, launching point of UCF as an athletic program to becoming a little bit more of a player um, in major football and, and basketball events. So got to, to really be on the ground floor there, determining strategies, mostly designed to bring out, you know, students and stuff like that, get more involvement at games. Um, that's grown substantially since my time was there, but yeah, really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, eventually got connected with um, UCF's got a, a top five, sports management program, the DeVos program, um, that the owners of the Magic actually, you mm -hmm. know, help uh, support as well. Uh, so got involved with that kind of junior and senior year and, and made that my minor and, and was able to, you know, make a ton of connections there with uh, the leadership from, from the staff uh, that, that runs that program um, and, and get a good amount of volunteer experience to kind of specialize, see that specialization through. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest questions we get all the time is like, how do I figure out my fit? Like you said it, you started out like, I love sports. Okay, we'll figure out the rest. And really, it sounds like getting into, you know, a close by opportunity within the athletic department was your first exposure to things and you start to figure things out from there. Is that really how you started to kind of figure things out and determine like this is the career path I want to start leading down a little bit, a little bit more intentionally? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I, I think it, to me, it was it was trial and error. Um, it was a great chance to be able to see the day to days of, of each individual department, see what they had to do and how they kind of played a role in bringing the sport to life. Yeah. I think that's that's just an understated amount of, of just I mean, across all sports, not just, you know, Division One athletics is like just how much work goes on behind the scenes for that 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 game day to come to life. And, you know, it, it's mostly runs super smooth for all the fans that see mm -hmm. it and they get there hour and a half before the game, they watch the game and then they go home. Like 
outside of those two hours, three hours of competition, that's when all the, the pre and post work begin to really bring it to life. And I think being able to, to, to be submerged in, into different, you know, opportunities that were just mostly volunteer and internships um, allowed me to really see what I, I liked and what I didn't like. Yeah, it's funny. As you're saying that, I'm thinking back to when I started in the sports media and, you know, your, your first, your only ex- expectation when you're first starting out is I've watched ESPN and I see the final product, right? But then yeah. when you start to actually go and do it and be a part of it and you learn all the things and you're doing everything, but you're there and you're like, there is so much that goes into this that people don't ever get to see. They know the sausage being made, as they say. So you get you get all this exposure and you realize that there's like 30, 40 people making this happen and making it look so easy. And then you start to get exposed to those different roles and opportunities. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's to me, it's it's crazy. You know, it, it always feel, felt to me before I got into it that it was just uh, an army of people that had to bring it together. And, and while that's true to an extent, I mean, professional, collegiate, like pretty much every department that deals with sports is, is truly a small business for the most part. I mean, you know, it's, they're small to medium sized businesses with, you know, modest uh, amounts of staff that are working to bring together thousands and thousands of people. It's uh, a truly incredible effort to, to really, when you start breaking it down as to, you know, the amount of people that, that bring this to life for so many, so many fans. Yeah, the process and the structure and the organization, it's crazy. So, okay, first gig, this is where I get dorky. The first gig for you after graduating, Florida Tuskers of the UFL, which is awesome. Uh, you were working in corporate partnerships, so that's kind of your first gig in cor- corporate partnerships. To the best of my knowledge from research, I didn't yeah. just pull this out of the yeah. back of my mind, um, you were there from 2010 <laughs> to 2011 and the, unfortunately the Tuskers folded in 2011. I've also been part of an organization that folded and that's kind of it's harrowing like you're you're finally getting started you're finally getting a paycheck maybe you've got rent somewhere you got an apartment or whatever it is you're finally feeling like you're getting things moving and then it's like pulled out from underneath you so what do you remember most about that first gig and then that feeling of like oh crap what now? <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it was, uh, it was highs and lows. I, I will say that it was, um, being able to be a part of the Tuskers. I think people don't really realize, you know, the United football league had some, some major backers like Mark Cuban was a part of it. Joe Theismann was a part yeah. of it. Um, it had some really strong players that, uh, in terms of the, the product on the field and, and especially the coaches like Sean McVay was the, the Tuskers wide receiver coach, uh, the year before I got there and, you know, Jay Gruden was the head coach. Oh wait, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was truly That's crazy. I didn't know. I, I did some research today, but I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. It was truly a, a really a breeding ground of, of truly tr- starting to become that minor league experience for, for the NFL. And I know a lot of leagues have, you know, started and failed, started and failed over the last few decades. It feels like, um, even, even recently, uh, unfortunately, but it was, it was awesome. I mean, it, to me, it was, you know, I had just started to narrow my focus, had really decided that corporate partnerships was, was the direction I wanted to go. Um, and, and that was for a few factors. I mean, I, I'm a, like I said, I played sports my whole life. I'm an ultra competitive guy at, at, at heart. Um, every day is different. And, you know, you're around sports, you're getting to see, you know, you're the brands that you work with and, and you know, that you've been talking to for months, you're able to activate them and, and bring them to life under, under the lights. 
Um, even if this was minor league football, you know, like we, we were pulling pretty good crowds in Orlando with having, I'd say eight to 10,000 a night. Um, yeah. so pretty good. And, and, you know, when you start peeling it back and, um, there was a media deal. So we were, you're playing your games on network TVs and, and things like that. So, I mean, it was a great exposure for me. Uh, it was an opportunity for me to really kind of run with, um, you know, being able to start for the first time, you know, doing deals from a corporate partnerships perspective, um, and being able to, uh, integrate brands into the UFL and, and this pretty new product. Um, and it was a small business. I mean, it, again, I, I continue to hit home there. There wasn't many people on staff. I think there were 15 full-time employees outside of oh, the, wow. yeah, outside of the, uh, the football staff. Um, but it was, it was something that you, you helped a little bit of everything with, right? I wasn't doing just corporate partnerships. I could be helping in ticket sales one day. I know I remember uh, ordering, helping Jay Gruden order equipment uh, for the football team to make sure that they had everything they needed. So it was very much an all hands on deck approach. Um, but honestly, one of the uh, areas that in my career helped me learn the most about what it takes to, to honestly, you know, not just see your department. And I did get a little bit of a feel like for it at UCF, but uh, the Tuskers allowed that opportunity just because there was no one else to turn to, right? Everyone had to pull their part and even a little bit more. Um, so it was corporate partnerships, but it was so much more than that to be able to provide experience to kind of see, you know, how the whole organization ran. That's the amazing thing about minor league sports in general is that interning there, working there early career, you get exposed to so much. And that's really how you start to form your own foundation and point of view is by being exposed to all these different opportunities. Like I've talked to people who, you know, worked in minor league baseball and they're like, one day you're the mascot, the next day you're in media relations. You know, it's like a little bit of everything. And that's great. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and, you know, it was first job, full-time job for me out of college. I, I had loved, you know, the, the minor league aspect of it and being able to be there as the, as the team grew. Um, it, it felt like everything was aligning with the backers and the team investment and everything there. And, and the NFL really seemed to start supporting it. Um, and, and then, man, it fell out. Oh, quick. Hurts. Yeah, that hurts. <laughs> so it was, uh, I was, I remember it vividly. It was honestly yeah. the first time. So, you know, you always remember it. And, uh, I was leaving an LA fitness and just had worked out and went on Facebook. And at the time, you know, Facebook for business was very, very new and brands were just starting to be on there and sports teams were just starting to grow their fan bases on there. And I remember going on to ours and it said that the Florida Tuskers have ceased operations and are moving oh, no. to Virginia. And I was like, I feel like I should have been told more. Uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like the right way to find this out, but nonetheless. Oh, that's brutal. Okay. Yeah. So, they moved to Virginia, but you stay in Florida. Uh, you, you get a job at the Golf Channel. How different was it going from startup, almost mom and pop, kind of, we're strapping everything together, to go into like a fully functioning Golf Channel with like tons of funding? I'm not sure if NBC Sports was associated with them then, but like you're in a you're in prime time now. How different was that for you? Yeah, it, it was it was a change for sure. And it, it went not to say that, you know, minor league sports are, are slower paced, but, you know, anytime you go from someone that has games, you know, every couple, like couple home games in a row, then you're on the road and, and you have a schedule of, you know, 10 to 12 games to a 24 hour sports net. There, it's a, a demanding change that that was I was yeah. candidly not totally ready for. Um, and it was it was great. I, I think it, I went a couple months, obviously, uh, went back to, to the job search pretty quickly and, and ended up uh, getting connected with the Golf Channel team that was still in Orlando. So I didn't even have to move, uh, which was a great piece for me and being able to continue to stay in Orlando. Um, but I think for me, it was a, another kind of great timing piece, I guess, was 
uh, Comcast and, and NBC had just kind of done their merger. Um, so I was one of the first NBC sports employees in Orlando. Um, so with that, obviously, you know, you've, you've got the backing of, of one of the biggest media um, Goliaths in the, in the world. Um, and being able to, to kind of learn and just absorb, you know, just so many incredible minds. I was going back and forth a lot between, you know, the, the Golf Channel headquarters in Orlando and, and 30 Rock um, because you were, I was helping out on everything. It wasn't just I, I was focused on golf, but got an opportunity to really, you know, be a part of the overall NBC sports portfolio. So Sunday Night Football, the Olympics, horse racing, everything that they had under their uh, kind of rights and, and being able to, you know, bring the, the golf piece to, to life and integrate brands into that, um, but also help out in, in all, a number of different sports with a, the media focus, which was which was new for me at the time. Yeah. So at this point, you get into the ad sales and the partnership stuff. Um, what did you like most about these opportunities? What was it about those that really felt special and, and really aligned for you? Yeah, it, I really liked bringing the, the brands to life on air. Uh, I think that was, I think Golf Channel, you know, it, it's got a very unique following. It's one of the most affluent channels um, in terms of viewers in, in all of cable. Um, and it's something that, you know, the brands that we worked with reflected that and, and being able to be strategic and being able to bring, you know, brands to life and integrate into the game in an organic way is, is important there. And, and I, I, I do draw comparisons between golf and esports, as, as odd as that sounds, um, just because their, their following is so loyal. It may not be, you know, the biggest following all of the time, but the golf following is very loyal and, and doesn't want the, you know, the history of the game or the, you know, the beauty of the game disturbed by ads and integration of partners. And, and that's very similar to talking to the esports following is to say, you know, they, they very much know who they are and, and don't, you have to speak to them from a branding standpoint in a, a, a right way that, that is organic to the game and organic to who they are. So I enjoyed that piece. I think to me, it was one of the biggest blessings was obviously I alluded to a little bit earlier, um, it was before really social media had taken off and, and it was at the very beginning, the infant stage, but it wasn't like brands were activating a ton on social media yet. They definitely weren't paying the focus um, that they were today to content. Um, but that was content and integrating into content in short and long form was what we were doing with golf channel on air across all the, the different shows that we had in our offering very similar to what we do today uh, to integrate partners into social media content, you know, aligning with the team, so on and so forth. So I think to me, you know, it was great to get a media background because the media side, as you know, is just so layered with how you're consuming technology, especially now and ever changing and, and being able to have that background and, you know, integrating brands into content in an organic nature and have the media, you know, growth as that has grown substantially and, and how fans consume has, has been a big blessing. Yeah, there's always a different way to deliver to an audience. There's always some new technique and manner. So to really get that experience does help project your your career further. So five years later, and there's definitely a theme here. You jumped to the Orlando Magic, <laughs> still in Orlando. I mean, you are a Florida man through I, and through. <laughs> I am. I am. I, I've been blessed to be able to kind of stay local. And, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in Gainesville, Florida. So two hours up the road, I went to high school in South Florida and I went to college in Central Florida. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got the whole state. I feel like I know, you know, the, the fans of, of the whole state very well, especially Magic fans from being here for, you know, a number of years. Um, but it, I've been lucky to stay local in, in the sunshine state 
Yeah, you have those personas down. You know exactly <laughs> who your audience is. I like that. Okay, so you hear titles, and we go, we deal with this a lot with uh, with for our audience. Is you hear a title, and you're like, okay, I think I get that. Corporate partnerships, that makes sense. Corporate partnership account manager. But let's get into the weeds a little bit. What does that mean on a day to day basis? Like, what would how would you articulate your your goals, your challenges? Like, what does that mean to be in corporate partnerships at this level at, at with an NBA team? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's you know basically what our day-to-day is 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 we represent a collection of brands um that want to and see value in you know marketing to the fans of the magic um i think one of the great things about the magic and and i grew up you know obviously two hours up the road in gainesville like i just said is it's a global brand and it's not just because of the nba i mean you think back uh, i've been lucky enough to travel overseas a few times and um well, I wish it was more recent, given the global pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Not recently. Yeah. <laughs> Not recently, but, you know, I was overseas, and, and you still see uh, Magic Shenny, uh, Shenny, uh, uh, Shaq and Penny jerseys from, you know, the 90s, and Dwight Howard jerseys. I like jerseys. Shenny. Let's call him Shenny from now on. That's not bad. I might bring that What's up. With that? that might be a new thing that we can run on social. Uh, Dude, I think I have an old Shaq Magic jersey around here somewhere, right? so I might have to rip, whip that out. I know. I love it. It was, And that's, you know, like, the Magic aren't the oldest franchise. I, I mean, we're, we're just over 30 years, but it's one that, you know, is iconic and we've enjoyed success in, in a very short amount of time with some, you know, global superstars that have brought our, our brand, you know, outside of Central Florida, outside the U.S., really a true global brand. As a, a corporate partnership account manager, I think it's, it's having the opportunity to connect with brands um, and, and really bring them into the fold for Magic fans, not just locally or, or even nationally, but globally is, is really our, our day-to-day challenge. And, you know, we, we represent about a, a collection of 60 to 70 brands uh, any given year that uh, advertise with us, you know, across all of our platforms, whether that be social media, on air, um, and arena, obviously, even now with uh, on the, the jerseys with our Disney yeah. partnership, um, to, to really kind of integrate and, and grow affinities. So, I mean, if you're a brand and, and you want to reach a, a Magic fan on, on any of those platforms, um, the best way to do so is obviously with us and, and working with us to create a partnership platform that, that makes sense to hit your objectives and, and also align with, you know, what we know Magic fans um, locally, you know, nationally and globally are, are looking for. Yeah, it's a great, it's a super targeted audience. You can tell them exactly who they're they're talking to and you know them better than anybody since you're, you're Florida, man. Um, so you've <laughs> had some major accounts, some of the biggest brands that there are out there. And obviously these brands come to you guys looking to leverage your brand to gain exposure for their brand. How would you describe or how would you see the split in focus in your role from the business side, you know, data, revenue, projections, pitches, you know, all that kind of stuff versus the relationship building side, because they have to, you know, you're communicating with them and you're getting to like each other and know each other. Like, how do you kind of see that split in, in, um, in demand for your time as you build these mutually beneficial partnerships? Yeah, great question. I think for us, at the end of the day, it's a partnerships business um, at its crux. And it's something that, you know, whether you're you're looking for new business and on your you're on the business development side or you're on the activation side like like myself um you know those deals take time and those deals take trust and oftentimes you you know you're looking at you know substantial pieces of a brand's marketing budgets that you're working with that they're they're committing to you um so a lot of that is trust and and deals take time like i said like on the business development side um, you know, we our team just closed a deal that they had been working on for four years, and and you know it's a first time partner that they're bringing into the fold. Um, 
on our side, it's, it's, we've had partners that have been with the magic for 30 years, 30 plus years now that, that we're in that. Um, so it, it's definitely at its core partnership driven. I think at the end of the day, when we talk to the brands, we want to be an extension and make them feel like we're an extension of their own employees. Like we want to know, you know, what their objectives are. We want to know what their, their metrics of success are, their KPIs. We want to know what's going to make this successful for them because at the end of the day, that's going to be a successful partnership. What we don't want to do is, you know, make them feel like they've entered into the magic family and, and it's a constant fight to get what they want. We're, we try to be very transparent from the get-go, uh, make sure that, you know, we're, we're designing partnership packages that check every box. Um, and that comes with clear communication on the front end and, and setting what those metrics of success are so that we can help hit that. And I think, you know, this year more than any year, we're, I think flexibility is a big portion of that. And I know, you know, with, with all, as, schedules change and as seasons have been postponed and re-picked up, um, obviously we have contractual assets that, you know, we've negotiated on the front end, but if we just held to that or, or said, Hey, look, this is, you know, what it is, what it is, like, we'll see you next year. And we start back up. Like that's, that's not being a good partner. That's not, you know, who we want to be at the magic. I think what we want to do is, you know, obviously every single one of the partnerships that we have, we want to make sure that they feel really, really good and not just on our, our, our day-to-day -day level, but we want to make sure, you know, their bosses, bosses, everybody in that organization, when they, they think of the partnership of the magic, not only are they proud to be a partner, which is, is a big piece of it, but they, they see that true business lift. And some of that comes into, you know, how we deal with the relationship on an everyday basis, but also, you know, a big piece for us and, and really what is an emerging trend, I think, in our industry is, is how we provide that ROI and, and whether that be, you know, Nielsen numbers or data that we're able to pull from our, our mobile app since we're all, you know, uh, digital ticketing now, there's a number of uh, pieces of data out there that, you know, go into making the partnership successful and, and not just being able to speak to why it's successful, but, but tangibly show that as well. So you shared on obviously what it may, what it looks like to be successful with the partnership side. What about for you on a personal side within the magics? Like, so what does success look like when you're in corporate partnerships and makes your boss say, hey, Jason, hell of a job. You know, like what does success look like for you from a personal standpoint in the mag within the magic organization? Yeah, well, I mean, I am in a sales role. So at the end of the day, it's and to an extent, there's always Closing that deals. bottom line and hitting goals. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So hitting goals, you know, is definitely, you know, where we want to be on the right side of every year. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you know, like we, we want to be constantly innovating and we want to make sure that, you know, we are on top of every new trend that's out there, whether it be a technology piece, you know, um, an advancement in data collection, whatever that is, um, we want to make sure that we're, we're bringing that to the forefront for our partners and they're hearing it from us before anybody else and any partnership that they have. So I think innovation at its core is a big piece, not only for the magic organization, but a big piece for our department and, and myself. I know, you know, we, we were honored this year uh, with the, the Jersey sponsor activation of the year from hashtag sports. And, and, you know, that's a great piece to be, it's a new asset over the course of the last three years. It's one that you're seeing pop up from Jersey sponsorships across, you know, now NBA, NHL, I know is entering to it, MLB, um, and, and being able to say, hey, you guys have, have done it best, the best out of everybody was, was a big personal piece for me, you know, having Disney be on our, our, uh, our jersey. So I think it's a combination of making sure, you know, partners are happy. I think it's a combination of, of making sure that we're continuing to, you know, 
uh, drive innovation uh, and, and make sure, you know, we're getting that in front of our partners and make sure that, you know, we're continuing to have assets that are new and, and innovative uh, and combined with, you know, at the end of the day, hitting those sales goals. Yeah, that's incredible. So August 2020, during the craziest year of all of our lives, uh, you get promoted to Senior Manager of Partnership Activation. So congratulations on that. What has been the biggest change for you so far as you've shifted from, because I'm sure there's a lot of nuance there that a lot of us won't understand, but as you shifted more from the corporate partnership side to partnership activation on a global scale, what have been those big moments as you've taken on this new role? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, one of the biggest pieces that you know I, I touched on a little bit is is that strategy role and, yeah. and being able to add strategy into that equation for for not just our partners but the overall um, department from from global partnerships. So that that's been one of the bigger changes um, is just kind of overseeing our, our global partnership strategy, um, and and that can be a number of things, right? That that's making sure that we're aligned. Um, with internal teams and uh, building out processes to make sure that we're getting data from, you know, ticketing and, and uh, all the different avenues that we get, concessions, uh, team shop, all of those to make sure that we're able to, to utilize that data to the best that we can for future pitches, for renewals, uh, making sure that we're, we're uh, doing different brand surveys throughout the year so that our partners are, are understanding the full feedback of, of their partnerships for the, in the fans' perspective. Um, so the strategy piece, I think, at, at its core has, has been um, one of the biggest additions over the last few, few months. Um, I think, you know, as, as we continue to look forward, that's, that's what we're seeing is, is one of the number one growth opportunities, because I think for us, and I'm sure a number of organizations, like we're taking so much data in and taking so much uh, from different assets that we have, which is great, but interpreting that and being able to then in turn monetize that or provide value for the brands that we work with. Uh, is an area that we were, we were missing a little bit and kind of a hole in our reporting. So being able to kind of bring that all together, share that out, and, and like I said, be able to monetize or, or provide value to the, the, bands that, the brands that we work with uh, is an ongoing challenge and yeah. something that we're continuing to put a big focus in. That's the big thing about data. Everybody wants data, but they have to be able to turn it into action, right? They have to be able to interpret it, make sense out of it, do something with it. You know, it's always a big challenge. Yep. Okay, so it's, it's obvious to say that we're living in pretty strange times. Amway Center, where the Magic Play holds 20,000 people normally, now you're bringing in 4,000 to games, which is good. I mean, that's great. So it's better than we've been. But that's a major avenue that would be a sponsor to get exposure, right? To be in the arena with 20,000 fans, walking mm -hmm. around, seeing the brands, having that opportunity there. Obviously, that's been a change, and you've talked about innovation, but how big of a role has creativity and innovation played in developing new opportunities for, for partners to allow them to still see value in the sports industry and with the magic in general, um, specifically, actually, I should say, with the magic specifically, uh, as it relates to their investment and their time when fans aren't really there at the arena experience? Yeah, it's a great point. It's, it's one that, you know, it was it was very interesting and in how uh, it all came down right we went from having a season and, and kind of thinking you know this could impact us in some capacity uh, <laughs> back in back in last february early march uh, to, to pausing until late july where we were able to kind of uh get back to the the bubble and, and lucky enough to be in orlando at, at walt disney world which is a great partner of ours 
Um, and now we're back with, you know, we're one of five teams that brings fans back for the NBA. So uh, we're, we're definitely operating in unique times. I think we did learn a lot from seeing what happened um, just with the overall timing uh, in other leagues. We did a lot of benchmarking, you know, with the NFL and even baseball as they were going through it, uh, playing in their home venues. Um, and really the bubble allowed us to kind of catch our breaths and, uh, you know, still activate and finish up last year's deals, but kind of start looking to see like, okay, like what's worked well in other leagues? What do we like? What don't we like? Um, so you did see, you know, more of a push to, to TV visible signage, right? We wanted to make sure that we were making, you know, an investment in the Amway Center that a lot of our signage that typically would have been seen by a full building wasn't going to be seen. Uh, we were likely only going to be, you know, operating at around 25% capacity. Um, so you saw us add some, some new signage that really mirrored what the NBA did in the, in the bubble. I think that was a big balance that we wanted to do because at some point, right, we, we want to make sure that it's appearing correctly as well. Like not to say there's a right way or wrong way to do it, but we didn't want to go, you know, from what we had traditionally had to just like putting a logo on everything. At some point there's a, a point of diminish, diminishing returns. So we, we did a lot of, uh, you know, benchmarking there, got to a good place and, and being able to add some TV visible signage um, that, you know, didn't overtake, you know, what the viewing experience was from the home perspective, but, but still able to capitalize on, on what we, think we'll see in terms of increased ratings and, and what we started to see at, at the beginning of the season so far. Um, and then we also started to, to put more of a focus in content. And I think the, you know, I never want to say that, that there was an opportunity in everything that happened, but for us, it, it probably allowed us to expedite plans internally that were two to three years down the road from a content perspective to move them up into things that we needed to happen now. So you saw a lot more of a focus on our mobile app and growing that. And it had been a focus for us as we had kind of shifted to uh, mobile ticketing and gone away from hard tickets uh, last season. So we were actually really prepared from that capacity and had a growing um, following there. And then, uh, you know, continuing to look at what we were doing on our social channels and not just putting up things, you know, like attaching a, a partner to a logo, but trying to find content series and features that made sense still for what the brand was and what they were trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, uh, one of the things that, that we're, we're most excited for is, is what we're calling uh, Magic All Access. It's actually uh, presented by Chick-fil-A, a longtime partner of ours, and, and it's an inside peek. It, it allows you to see things from the bubble, right? It's, it's the content and the closeness to the team that the fans want by being in the building that we can't give everybody right now. We, we can give 25%, uh, but we can't give everybody right now. But we want to make sure that we're still showing those intimate moments of the team for our fans to be able to get, you know, not just visibility to, to content that we know they like and we know they crave, but being able to attach partners in the right way. And, and I'll give a perfect example because, you know, I, I, I think I owe some drinks to our social team for, for what they were able to pull together. But I mentioned it was sponsored by Chick-fil-A, uh, the all-access piece. So we actually had a, a content piece, the second feature that we put out, the team gets delayed in Washington. And sure enough, you know, the team stops and everybody on um, we've, pretty much every player on the team's favorite food is Chick-fil-A. Fast food is Chick-fil-A. So being a partner, you know, our team was able to go out, buy a bunch of Chick-fil-A for this six-hour delay, and literally it's these guys sitting in the airport just downing nuggets and waffle fries and everything there. No better just, activation ever. <laughs> perfect, right? It's perfect. I wish I could take more credit for it. So, um, But it's examples like that. It's a mixture of content. It's a mixture of organic integration. 
but with us still being able to be one of those five teams that, that, that still has that in arena experience. We don't want to discount the in arena experience. We still want to make sure when you're coming to the Amway Center, you feel really good about, you know, it's a very normal game, albeit there's a few less people around you and you get a little bit more room to stretch out. Um, but with that said, we're, we're finding that balance between, you know, those out of basically extending what would have happened at the Amway Center to fans at home. So I have to ask, because as somebody from the outside looking in and somebody that's charged with trying to project what's going to happen, I mean, last last spring, as you're saying, as we're all starting to figure this out, I'm looking at it and talking to other people and being on panels and, and we're saying like, man, I wonder if sponsors are going to be like, well, if you don't have fans, we're not interested in investing, you know, like we're not interested in putting our money in there. We're going to back out of contracts. We're going to do this. And you're wondering about the health of the sports industry as a whole, because you're saying they're not able to generate ticket revenue. There may have sponsors pulling out. They don't have games. It's like, oh my gosh, is this going to be a really, really big problem? So how would you characterize the early feedback in 2021 or how things are going right now? Do you still feel like sponsors and partners are invested and committed in the sports industry? And you, do you see things going in a positive direction? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, it, it, you're right. You nailed it right on the head. Is, is that, you know, that's the overall question amongst everybody, the teams, the leagues, the media companies. I think everyone's very uh, anxious to kind of see where this ends up, because I think going back to even over the summer, you know, everybody thought we were just sitting at home. There's going to be record ratings on TV. And, and that didn't even happen. And now, you know, you're seeing those bumps. Um, get back to normal numbers for this season as I think fans, you know, are back in home to an extent are back in their home buildings and you're playing on home courts and it's a little bit more normal than it was, you know, playing in a bubble and so on and so forth. So I, I do think to answer your question, I, I think, you know, we're in Orlando seeing a, a really positive direction here. I, I think we've been able to, um, shift assets in the right way. And, and it's been a lot of communication. I know I, I mentioned it off the top is partnerships, you know, their relationships are the biggest piece that you can have. And, and we do have a number of long-term partners. We have new partners. We, they run the gambit in how long they've been with the magic. And I think for the most part, we, we've been able to, you know, make sure that we're shifting people into assets that make sense. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is keeping open that communication. We've been, I think, very flexible in, in, you know, making sure that we can shift where we need to shift and, you know, provide flexibility for partners um, where we can um, to an extent. And I think that that's going to help us in the long run. I, uh, we've actually had one of our best years on, on new partners coming into the building, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Um, so, so that's been really uh, kind of a, a nice surprise to be able to see is, is the business development team bringing that in. And, and I think a lot of it is just like, you know, while, you know, brands were hit hard, there are a lot of new categories that have popped up just from the pandemic. Um, you know, cleaning categories are, are really hot right now, as you can imagine. Um, so, you, you know, you've seen a, a lot of competition there. Uh, and obviously, you know, doesn't impact Florida as much, but the, the sports gambling lift um, as more brands full in there. I think overall, we've, we've seen a lot of different, you know, agencies that we've talked with and brands that we've talked with say, for months, we, we went and, and didn't spend anything, right? Like we're, we're being able to get a lot of these dollars back, whether it be, you know, media dollars from, from assets that weren't able to be delivered on, on different avenues to, um, you know, the, it's more of a transactional piece. So, you know, we're, we are seeing a, a lot of, um, pent up demand, if you will, for live sports where people are like, look, if you have fans, like we, we recognize that 
you guys are going to get back and, and we're hopefully, you know, the vaccine helps with everything and, and we're going to get back to this, you know, in hopefully a short order um, where maybe in the fall we, we can welcome a, a little bit more of a, a full building. But um, in the meantime, I, I think people are operating um, under, you know, a fair set of, it's not like a lockout or, or one of those that have impacted the industry in the past. Pretty much it's, it's out of everyone's control um, and everyone's playing in a level playing field so that, you know, based on the pent up demand from the summer and, and being able to, to have some, you know, more flexibility and in, in getting dollars back and in, in other av avenues, I think we're seeing more people being able to, to do, you know, transactional deals for the remainder of the season that I think we're all bullish to say, okay, get them in the door. And, and that's something that might be able to, to continue to, to grow as, as we, you know, get them into our partnership and, and our assets. It makes a lot of sense. And I think everybody listening will be very excited to hear that because I think there's a lot of trepidation right now. Everybody's like, I don't know what's happening and I don't know how this is going to go. And I don't know if brands are going to come back, but it's great to see that there's new business coming in and, and the health of the industry is, is strong and recovering, which is great. So there's a word in your title that jumps out, the global part. Uh, is that the big growth sector for sports in general? And is that part of what makes it exciting for you in this journey, too, is to continue that expansion to more of a global reach and brand? I know you've said the magic is a global brand, which we totally agree with. But like that putting that extra layer of focus on it and being able to develop that, is that a, a pretty exciting part of it for you? Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, as, as we went through this and, and looked at who our department is, I, I think, you know, we were not underselling it a bit, but I think when you look at Orlando, right, it, it's the number one tourist destination in the U.S. And, and we very much cater to that. Um, you know, it's you come to a magic game and, and the halftime feels like you're at a Disney show, right? Like we, it's an entertainment option. We want to make sure that <clears throat> we're making this a, a, a night out and, and something that you're going to remember. Like, yes, there's a product on the floor, but it's much more to that than us. It's how we treat you when you come in the door. It's how, how you know, the entertainment options that you have in the building. And a lot of that is, is kind of in large part with, you know, the, the overall um, city and, and our partnership with, with Disney World is a big piece of it. I mean, all of our employees go through Disney training to, to make sure, you know, when you come to Orlando, like we don't want you to go to Disney and have a, an incredible time and then come to a magic game and feel like we're the, the rudest people on earth after you've gone to Disney. Like we, we want that to be apples to apples throughout that journey. Um, but with, you know, Orlando welcoming in, I think it was 70 million people last year or the, the year prior to um, the large part to the parks it's a global brand. And a lot of those people, we work very closely with Disney to, to make sure, you know, when they're looking for, I'll say, you know, off the resort uh, opportunities in Orlando, like we make, we, we want to be top of mind and we want you to come and, and get in some instances, you know, if you're coming from overseas or maybe South America, um, we, we might be the first basketball you experience in live. So, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, your first time is, is with us and you leave a magic fan. And, you know, when you're returning to, to go to Disney world down the road, you want to make sure that you're coming during a, a magic basketball season so you can stop by. But I mean, it, it is a, a and buy a Shenny Jersey. Exactly. No. And buy a Shenny Jersey. <laughs> um, but it, it is a big piece for us. And, and, you know, for us, it just similar to the parks, it's, it's no secret for us. You know, our two biggest markets are, are Brazil and, and England. And it's, you know, we cater, we cater to that. And um, not to say that there isn't others, but those are, are kind of what we identify as, as two of our biggest growth opportunities from a global perspective, just, you know, for all the economic reasons in both of those regions. Um, but also just that that's 
who overwhelmingly is is visiting Orlando in, in heavy, heavy numbers throughout the year. Um, so it, we're, it's a it's a true global brand, you know, outside of just you know what the NBA has done and the global games that they've you know taken different matchups and, and made a focus um, over the last few seasons. Um, I think we're one of the teams that you know is, is just overall by by the tourist market that we're in uh, is really blessed because there's years ago. The magic product on the court wasn't where we wanted it to be, but the building was still full, um, and the building was full of not just you know our dedicated uh, season ticket holders and that are locals and and you know in the region, but also you know those out of towners that were coming in during you know peak park season, coming to see Disney and and you know being able to pull them through to our side of town to to keep them here. So we've seen tremendous growth on our social channels. Uh, we we actually have a, our own dedicated. Um, Brazilian uh, social handles to, to capitalize on that audience just because of how much growth that we've seen down there. So it's a big, big, big focus to us. Um, and also, you know, we, we've got such a diverse community in, in Orlando that the Hispanic population has grown substantially as well that, you know, Puerto Rico is a big, big uh, opportunity for us as well on, on a, a closer, I guess, global stage. But um, I think, you know, as uh, in combination with the, the NBA and, and our efforts, I think we're, we're one of the, uh, you know, bigger growth markets uh, that amongst teams. So we'll finish up with this. And I can't thank you enough for this conversation. I've learned a lot from the talk and I just enjoy talking to you and I'm going to go buy a Shenny jersey later. <laughs> um, so we'll finish up with this. And I really do appreciate it. As you look back and, and, you know, you're you're not that deep into your career, but you've had a lot of really high level experiences and you continue to grow at an incredible pace. As you kind of look back, though, and channel back to your UCF days or whatever, um, what do you think was the smartest move that you made to prepare you and advance yourself in the sports industry? Is there one skill that you learned? Is there one experience you jumped into? Is there one thing that stands out that says, man, I am so glad I did that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the more I, I, I continue to grow in the industry, I realize just really how small it is. Um, I think that's the biggest piece and the biggest takeaway for me as I've continued to kind of work my way. Um, is just everybody knows everybody. Uh, and, and, it, and it's true across leagues, across media companies. I, I feel like, you know, you overlap at, at some point with a, a ton of different people. So I think that's one of the pieces. I think for me, though, the, the biggest advice that I got was just feel never feel like a job is beneath you, I, I think is especially when you're starting out. Um, you know, some people are, are focused on like, I want to work in the NBA. I want to work in the NFL or some of the, you know, the, the top professional leagues. To me, like, honestly, I, I learned more at the Tuskers and, you know, about how to do things and how a, a professional organization runs than, than I learned in any textbook and, and any exceeded all my expectations. And, you know, you, you don't have the pack stand sometimes in the Myers, but the, the personal growth and the business growth, I think, that you can take from that um, it really helps me along the lines. I, I think, you know, the amount of volunteering I did as well. Um, and I think at the time it was, it was more of a, you know, you, you do some different internships, but there's no, it's more of a course credit than a, an actual compensation. Um, mm. not sure how much that's changed these days, but, um, <laughs> free labor. Yeah, exactly. So uh -huh. I, I did a lot of that. Um, but, but really the, the volunteering to, to identify in the internships, to identify like what I liked and what I did didn't like with across the uh, 
the sports industry, I think was one of the biggest pieces and, and being able to network and, you know, just go out and meet people at these events and just go up to them and, and not be afraid to, you know, ask, you know, what their advice is and their best piece of advice was big. I think, um, LinkedIn to me is, is and, and really Twitter as well. I think, you know, a, a lot of networking takes place on Twitter and it's, it's crazy to see and, and crazy to think about, but I, I can't tell you, especially over the last few months, like how many, you know, people have reached out to me just asking, you know, to get involved and asking to, to see, just sit down for 20, 30 minutes and, and share a little bit about my background. And I was lucky enough to, to have some incredible mentors in my life. I know, you know, NBC Sports, Rob Caravello, who heads their partnerships team, uh, one of my biggest mentors to this day, and, and Catherine Carlson at, at the Eagles, that was my former boss at the Magic, um, you know, just an incredible relationship people and, and being able to hear from them and see how they do things and see how they're able to, you know, continue to grow not just their brand but the brands of the properties that they work for and with has been invaluable um but i think that's that would be my big things is, is just never you know think of jobs beneath you and, and be willing to get your foot in the door you know volunteer and network as much as you can whether that be in person or in these times on twitter and linkedin um you, you never know what, you know, direct message or, or email or, or whatnot is, is going to get, you know, passed along or, or shared. I can't tell you the amount of teams that are hit like, hey, you know, do you guys have anybody that you recommend or someone that, you know, if we can't place them that, that you know, might, we might have the potential to, to, you know, employ them as an intern or an entry level position. Like there's a lot of sharing that goes on in this industry. So, you know, being able to, you know, deliver and say what you're going to do and come and just do it, blow people away with, you know, the work that you do, even if it's something trivial goes a really long way. Jason, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for jumping into this conversation. Like I said, I've learned a lot. I know our audience will learn a lot. And just to hear your passion and your excitement for not just all of Florida, but mag the Orlando area and the magic is, is fantastic. So thank you for being here. No, I appreciate it, Brian. It was fun. Thank you so much to Jason for coming on the show. I think the global conversation is one we need to be having more. I think we so often think of the North American impact, but really the borders have been erased. If you go into Europe, you will see people wearing jerseys and know it representing your favorite teams. You'll see brands that you recognize more than ever. You'll see marketplaces that are being explored. So I think the idea that the global global growth is something we really need to be paying attention to. I think that's an important concept for everybody listening. Okay, in the coming weeks, I want to just I want to throw this out there. We've got some really 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 amazing guests coming on. Uh, Dr. Bill Sutton, who is one of the most connected people in sports. He's written for the Sports Business Journal for a long time. He's been a dean across many different colleges and universities. And it seems like every single person I interview in the sports industry says he is their mentor. So one of the most connected guys to everything happening in sports business. Mark Gress Jr., a partner at Prodigy Search, which is a sports recruiting firm. Uh, again, a good friend of mine, a guy I know really well, super informed. He has tons of data he wants to share on what's happening in the sports marketplace. We're going to really get into the details of that conversation. And if you guys remember... A couple weeks back, I talked about how there was a Monday episode from a fan question. They said, hey, you got to get a guest from the Seattle Kraken. And because all of you guys listening are incredible people and you want to help and you want to drive this conversation deeper and further, well, 
one of our good fans and former guests, Carlton Robbie, came on, it messaged me and said, hey, I have a friend who works at the Seattle Kraken. I know there's people saying you should have guests from the Seattle Kraken. Can I connect you guys and get you on the show, get her on the show? So that is happening too. Allison Bickford from the Seattle Kraken will be on the show in a couple coming weeks. She's the director of corporate partnership activation and has a really, really cool story to share. So we got a lot of good content coming out. Make sure you stay tuned. That'll be every Wednesday coming over the next few weeks. And as I just want to always let you guys know I appreciate so much you being here, listening, engaging in our various communities. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share with anybody else out there that you think could benefit from our content. And thanks as always for listening.